Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Naked and Inside Out. It's Janine Toro here. We're an LGBT podcast highlighting people in the community doing some incredible things with their lives and careers, and we're here to share these stories with our listeners. I'm really excited. Today, we have on John Colucci, who is involved in all things social media, and he's also a friend of mine from junior high-ish period of my life that... We've communicated, we were talking a little bit right before we started recording, you know, mostly through social media and things like that, but we haven't really seen each other in real life in probably maybe like I would say a good 10 years or something like that. So John, welcome to the show. Yeah. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm excited to to chat with you. And yeah, I feel like maybe if it's 10 years, that means we can technically say it's been decades. Right. (laughs) Even though we're in our thirties, it's not like that long ago. (laughs) Right. And you know, it's funny. I was like, I just always remember, I I don't know if I met you in Miss Loretta's English class, but that's where I remember knowing you most. I don't know why. And I don't even know how I remember that because that was probably like what, seventh grade. Yeah. I'm like, I didn't even remember. <laughs> I'm like, I have to channel in my memory. I'm like, wait, who's Miss Loretta? I'm like, I, it'll come back to me later. I'll get, you know, I'll start getting pictures. But like, yeah. I, kind of, I have like a visual, you know, kind of visual memory so I can picture the school and stuff like that. But yeah, I'll have to, I'll have to dig back in to, to remember that. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. I, you know, maybe I can't remember what I did last week, but I remember like seventh grade Miss Loretta's English class. So, you know. <laughs> No, I, I have similar, similar different memories of where, yeah, it's like, I can't remember what I had to buy or what I had to do, you know, for work or something. But then it's like, oh yeah, <laughs> remember this random thing from school. Right. So what's new with you? Nothing at all. No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> nothing, 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 nothing. So I, so we obviously are from New Jersey originally, good old Edison. Woot <laughs> But I actually live all the way across the country. I live in Seattle, Washington. So very, very awesome city. And I promise you it is not as cloudy and desolate or dark or rainy as some make it out to be. Have you ever been to Seattle? It's funny. It's on my list. It's one of those places in the U.S. I just haven't got to yet. But that's what, you know, everyone's like, oh, it's so dreary there anyway. And I'm like, great, you're really selling it to me. You're really selling no, 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 no. It's really, it's it's in the winter. I mean, like now it's, you know, not exactly the best, but, and it's honestly just as, you know, not too far off the the meter from being as cold as New York. Um, like it's, you know, in the thirties, but yeah, it's, you know, the summers are really beautiful here and it's just, it's a beautiful, it's more so that it's beautiful kind of all year round. And there's actually, I think two other people that, either went to school with us or might have like, you know, crossed paths in, in Edison that actually live here. So um, maybe this is like a new refuge location for ex New Jerseyans. Really? Yeah. Who's <laughs> out there? Really? <laughs> yeah. There's quite a few, quite a few ex New Jerseyans. But uh, did you just stumble upon them or like they reached out to you? Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, no, no. Yeah. I, one of them, I think we, we're following each other on, on like Facebook anyway, like over time. And then when I moved up here, I've been in Seattle about a year. I was in San Francisco area for about 10 years. Um, so I've been on the West Coast for, I guess, 11 years now. I think, yeah, I think I just realized, oh, yeah, you're here. <laughs> uh. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's also there's a couple other people, too, I think moved out West. But but yeah, I've, I've only been up here a year. I was in the San Francisco area for a good 10 years in the middle of tech tech pandemonium. So this is a nice change. <laughs> 
Yeah, the reason I ask is because it's funny. In New York, I find that I'll like run into people that I haven't seen in like years. I didn't even know that they were here based on their Facebook. Or it's like the complete opposite where like, oh yeah, friends with them on Facebook. I know they live here. I just haven't seen them. I mean, New York, obviously more common to have people from New Jersey. That, that's why it was interesting to me when you were saying that. Because I'm like, that'd be even weird if you just kind of stumbled upon them, you know, like on your day to day. That would be very stunning. It'd be like, oh, how'd you end up here? <laughs> <laughs> so what's like a typical day for you? Well, you know, I usually try to get up around six. I'm, I'm not the best at getting up early, but try to work out once in a while, you know, all that fun stuff. I'm not very good at it. I like food too much. Yeah, me uh, too. <laughs> it definitely fit into the bear, the bear community, if you will, very well in that sense. But yeah, so I, you know, I, I work for a broadcast company there and I, I run the social media strategy for, for this entire company. And we oversee about 160 or so TV stations across the country. So my, my day is pretty much spent on the internet, pretty much tied to a phone, tied to a computer at all times, looking at obviously, you know, typical emails and phone calls and stuff. But I'm spending a lot of time looking at breaking news content, looking at what, you know, what's kind of happening across the country, you know, hourly looking at, you know, I usually have, you know, my tweet deck up on one screen. I have CNN on another. I have, you know, some of our TV stations on yet another. So I spend a lot of time looking at the news and I spend then a lot of time talking to producers and writers, you know, a little more junior folks that are at various TV stations across the country and reporters and anchors and all sorts of folks about how they can, you know, better use social media to report, you know, kind of be better journalists through social and kind of make it part of their profile in their growth. So I spend most of my day, you know, either either at home or at the office on a computer and quite a bit I'm on the road as well. Um, I actually travel to a lot of different parts of the country where we have TV stations. I just came back from Nashville. I was in Michigan a couple of weeks ago and, you know, all sort all over the place, basically. Again, just visiting various TV stations, talking to folks and kind of educating them. So pretty, you know, pretty long days, pretty rewarding days. And then I come home and usually I'm doing laundry or something very, very exciting like that. I thought you were going to say you now you go home and do your own social media. <laughs> I pepper that in throughout the day. I mean, I don't, you know, obviously, you know, my priority is work, but, but yeah, actually, I mean, in theory, I probably come home and, you know, do a couple yeah. tweets, Facebook posts, but I mean, throughout the day, if something happens, I'm, you know, I'll be on, you know, I'll tweet something myself, but yeah, I mean, I've, I've only once, I think a couple of years ago, I tried going without any form of digital communication, like social media. I turned my phone off for 24 hours. Right. And I, it was, I didn't go well. I, f I felt very shaky. So I think I'm definitely now an addict to, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny, this idea, right. Of a digital detox. I have very mixed feelings about it. I did it once for an entire month. What? What? Yeah. And First of all, I don't know how I did that because I was like withdrawing. Like, I'm not even kidding. I was like, I didn't realize how much of the day I spend like scrolling through my Twitter feed or looking at my Instagram or, and not even to like talk to other people, but to be inspired or get like news content, which is like a whole nother story because then you have to make sure you're trusting your sources, you know, that are linked on Twitter and social media and stuff like that. But it was like my kind of entry point. And then there's kind of the people that you talk to on these networks too, that you don't necessarily know in real life. 
And there are so many people actually that I've met on social media that I've met, like later met in real life, like at like design events and different things. So it's created like this sense of community. So at first it was really hard. It was like, I felt like so disconnected to, I don't know, maybe like my own like online community, which sounds really cheesy, right? But then as it stopped, I noticed that like I had more time to do other things, right? Like I caught up on my reading. I caught up on my podcast listening. Like I was cooking more. Like I felt like I was more mindful day to day and I wasn't as distracted. But wait, how, okay, if you did digital detox, how did you listen to podcasts? On cassettes or something? Oh, no, like I just do like, <laughs> no, 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 no. Okay, so so maybe I kind of cheated, I guess. But the podcasts I weren't listening to like live stream, they were like downloaded prior. They're like uh, in my queue, like stuff I've wanted to listen to. Kind of like an audiobook or something, right? Like you have it in your queue. Like I wasn't getting like the latest podcast content. So like I wasn't listening to like what was going on on, you know, June 22nd, 2016. I was maybe in April of 2016 catching up on episodes that I haven't listened to. So nothing was current. That's interesting. I could not. I mean, I, there's no way I could survive that. Um, well, it was very hard for me, too. I work in tech. I work in user experience. Like, I was missing, like, all the trends and what was going on. But what's interesting is I, I found myself talking to people more. And I love to talk to people, right? Like, but I just found myself trying to get information, like, old school way, right? Like, oh, like, let me talk to people and see, like, what's in the news or let me, you know, which is so bizarre, but you know, of course now, I mean, I'm back on my phone all the time and I'm doing things every day. Like I can't live without it, but it's this thing that kind of once you step away from it, it's nice, but then you eventually want to do it again. And you know, that's called addiction, but yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Question for you though. You mentioned Twitter a lot. Yes. Is that your primary sort of social media outlet? Yes. I, I pretty much am spending most of my time there. Uh, I mean, I'm obviously touching all of them, but from looking at news and what's happening, I mean, the way Twitter and Facebook are very different in that Twitter is very now, very real time and and unfiltered, frankly. I mean, what you see is is what's happening now where Facebook's model and the way and how Facebook functions is really by the algorithm. So the algorithm is you know, trying to figure out, you know, what you like. And it has all these, you know, signals, so to speak, that determine what, you know, what it thinks you want to see and, and as such it responds. So it's not as real time. It's kind of, you know, the idea is that if you go to Facebook once a day, you kind of get caught up on some of the key moments that have happened in your friends or family's lives or, you know, the pages you follow. Um, but Twitter is really the real time source. So yeah, when there's breaking news and, you know, all things that, happening right this second, you know, obviously Twitter kind of works for that. And and I tend to, I think for what I enjoy about Twitter is it's more of a conversation space. Like I think, you know, you can certainly have conversations on Facebook, but you get to interact with people more personally and on kind of on a one-to-one level. I mean, it's, it's, it's not to brag, but I mean, I've, I've loved having random conversations with celebrities on Twitter and then, then they follow me and I'm like, Oh my God, you're following me. And not right. Do you get super excited and like geek out over it? I do. But the other thing too, is I look at, you have to look at how many people they're following. So if they're following like more than like 2000 people, I'm like, okay, they're not really paying attention to your tweets. But yeah, I I get excited about it. I also kind of wonder like, you know, 
don't unfollow me someday because you don't like something that I tweeted. But yeah, it's, I like that it's, you know, a, a space to have conversation. And I think it's a really interesting, like I may have made a lot of friends through it that I would right. have never you know, met in real life from all over the world. Completely uh, agree on that. So yeah, it's, it's quite, it's quite, quite the, quite the platform, but yeah, it is, there's a lot there. There's a lot, you know, a lot of it can kind of drown you out because there's so much stuff to look at <laughs> on Twitter. And there's certainly a lot of not so nice people on Twitter, but you know, you try to avoid that. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, how do you feel about that with the idea of it kind of going away? With what going? With Twitter. Like, Every, I mean, like, I feel like every couple months I just hear people complaining that, you know, Twitter's going to be going away. Twitter's, you know, like, when is it going to die? When is it going to die? And I'm like, I hope it doesn't die because, for one, I don't know what would replace it for me, if that makes sense. Like, I just feel like... I don't know. At first, I didn't even understand what Twitter was. I was like, I don't even get this. Like, what is this? And this was probably, my God, in like 2006-ish, something like around that time. And I didn't even get it. But I was like, I just joined anyway. And I just started, you know, like just posting random things and talking to people and things like that. But now, I like, again, I feel like I built this sense of community here. And like, there's this certain dialogue that Twitter has. Like, you know, I know like all these other platforms, like say like Instagram or, you know, like Vine dying, but kind of coming back to life in the form of, I don't know if you heard about that, but, you know, the Vine app died. But now they're surfacing it as like a camera app. Yeah. And so basically making it like, you know, make the same videos, but you can still put them on Twitter. So it's like the concept fine isn't going away. You know, you can still be creative, but to answer, yeah, to answer the point about it going away, I don't really think it, it will. And I think they have some work to do certainly with their business model. They're still still trying to figure out like, how do we exactly make money off of this? Um, Cause you know, it's, Truthfully, you know, when it comes to advertising and social, it's like it's more effective right now to yep. do it through Facebook because there's more there's more targets. There's more ways to like really like drill it down to like I want to target a, you know, a, a gay male in Brooklyn with, you know, like very, very hyper targeted. Do that. You know, Twitter, it's a little harder to do that. There are ways, but it's not exactly concrete. So, you know, they'll figure it out or Google will buy them or who knows what will happen. But I don't really think it'll go away. I think it's just too valuable <laughs> of a source. Um, and it really is different. I mean, if you think about the, the you know, last decade, you know, it, people kind of thought like, oh, MySpace or Friendster died and then MySpace died. And then, you know, kind of Facebook comes along and it's like, OK, it doesn't you know, in, at that time it was like you had one social network. Now it's like you have multiple ones to choose from. It's not like one has to die. For right. One to live, you know, right. I mean, the whole concept of the social media is interesting to me in regards to which ones succeed with which audiences and which ones don't. Right. Or like how people are consuming content. You know, like I know some people that don't use Twitter at all, like nothing, like never touch it. And I'm like, really? And like completely Snapchat, more video based consumption and nothing like Twitter, Facebook, and especially younger generation. So it's funny, like even for the podcast, I know I'm like, maybe I should be talking to you about my social media. Um, (laughs) No, I think about, you know, like the audience that I'm trying to reach and like how they're consuming content or if my content is even appealing to them. Right. So is this something that you think about? I'm sure you do when you're working, you know, for, 
I'm assuming like you work for different clients. Like, is that how your company is structured? Like you have different clients and then you're doing social work for them? No, no. what's more our, I mean, all of our TV stations were all part of the same company. So in in some way you could say the way our department functions is like an agency and we work with, you know, our stations are our clients. So you could think of it that way, but we're all one company. We're all kind of one family. So it's, we're just all, you know, we all have a common goal to, you know, get great, you know, news content out there. Right. Um, in a local sense. I mean, it's, it's, there's so much national, there's so many national news sources, you know, you can within seconds, you know, and not in any way to go too political, but it's like, you know, <laughs> I'm a journalist, <laughs> so I have to be objective. But, you know, during the election period, you know, one of the things that like myself and my team focused on was trying to get, you know, our reporters and anchors and such to focus on the stuff happening locally. So, I mean, you could, within seconds, find out what was happening between Trump and Hillary on your phone, on, you know, on CNN, on MSNBC, whatever you watch. And, you know, so there's all that news. There's plenty of information out on a second-by-second basis about the presidential race. But you had such limited information about the local elections. You had such limited information about what senator was running in your state or what mayor was running in your city. So we tried to spend a lot of energy teaching people like how to use social media to cover that kind of story and, and learn from people in the community. So also reading people's you know tweets and Facebook posts of what they wanted to like learn more about and what issues mattered to them and such. So that's some of the work kind of, you know, some of the way our team works well. Hmm, That's actually really interesting because it makes me wonder, I mean, this makes me wonder a lot of things, but one of the things is like you're saying, like they're aware of the presidential election, but they're not receiving or getting local news or local political information, right? Right. So like, is there a way, like, or is this an opportunity to sort of create maybe not a platform, but like a channel where, or like this, like, all right, for example, I think it was Google who did it. It probably was during the election where you could kind of just like go on and refresh the page and it would like show you everything in terms of where each candidate was in terms of the election, right? Like who won in each state. What I was thinking about at that time, and it's funny because you kind of re-brought it up, why aren't maybe not Google, but why isn't somebody, I don't know who this person is or local government have something like this for local things or, Hey, like, like almost like reminders, like, Hey, did you, you know, did you realize that your local, you know, you have to vote for your local Senate da, 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 da. and like all the information, like where are your closest places to vote, things like that. Because I feel like the information sometimes just isn't in the people's hands or the way that we're giving this information is still dated. Absolutely. And in some states, like so in Washington state where I am, we're a mail-in ballot state. So you get your ballot like the first or second week of October. And you frankly have a lot of time (laughs) with the ballot sitting on your desk. And you can, you know, you can take your time and sit there with the ballot and with your computer and do all this. You know, you can search and search for hours and try to determine what candidate, you know, meets your you know, meets your values or looks important best to you. But in most states, you still have to go, you know, to the ballot box. You can't bring anything in there with you. So you kind of have to like study up on, you know, and and unless you, you you vote a strict party line, but, you know, a lot of people, you know, may have other, may want to kind of choose both. So, you got to do all this research. And I think that's where local news kind of comes in because they can talk to those people, they have access to those folks and really find out like what matters to them. And yeah, there's plenty of people I talked to that were like, they had no idea 
who was running for, you know, in our state, people didn't know that some people forgot that there was a governor's race, you know, it was like, yeah, that's a big deal. So it's, it's interesting. And that's something that, you know, we saw time and time again is kind of the the value of local news is that you learn, you really learn what's happening in your backyard and you can't get that necessarily on the national stage. So that's a lot of the work we're doing a lot of, and I I enjoy it because in one breath, I, I know it's happening in a big city like Seattle, and we also have a station in D.C., but I also I learn what's happening in Mobile, Alabama or right. you know, Chattanooga. <laughs> I've had a lot of conversations like around the election with people, and I wanted to like hear from people. I like even put like a call to action to listeners on the podcast, and I'm like, I want to know, I want to understand. Like, I, I really want to understand, like, if you you know, voted for Trump and you are LGBT or if you know someone LGBT, right? You know, I want to hear from you. Like, I want to understand the perspective. And, you know, I got a, I got a lot of feedback from people. And, you know, one of the things that I kept thinking in my head was maybe these people just aren't educated enough about these things, you know, or maybe, maybe just this, this doesn't affect them. So like, it, it doesn't, matter. But, but like, to me, it would affect me, right? Being LGBT, I, like, th- but that's me, right? I'm not every LGBT person in the entire world. And what was interesting is that a lot of these people said that it was because of like their financial situation or because of just things like family and like just things kind of out of their control and less about, you know, the president being like ignorant or racist or whatever. I'm, you know, I'm not putting words, you know, out there, but like, you know, basically how the news has publicized him, right? Which I agree with, and maybe not everyone agrees with, but it's kind of interesting, right? Because it makes me think, how do you educate people on things without being ignorant too in the same way? Right. And that's where, you know, news in general, there's an important job that, that we all have to explain things and, and not, you know, necessarily with, you know, opinion one or the other. It's just, here's, here's what it is. Here's the facts. And that's, you know, a big, a big part of it. And I think, yeah, everyone has their own, you know, whether it's politics or whether it's just, you know, something happens, you know, in their community, they have their own right to, I always like for me, I, I obviously don't, don't share too many political opinions, but I think that I like to sit and learn and read a story and understand it and then make my own decisions. And I think that that's kind of the power of, of a lot of media is we can, we can really do that. We can really like think about, you know, figure out what's happening and make the, you know, decide what feels right for you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I think a lot of it too is that I just like to hear a lot of different perspectives about everything, right? And plus it's not even, it's not even necessarily for me to understand, but to share that knowledge or to be like, oh, I didn't even think about that or, oh, like, because there are things that I'm completely not thinking about or considering because the situation is different for me. Right. It, it, it will be interesting to see how things evolve. But, you know, for right now, I'm remaining optimistic and I'm open ears. So, you know, we'll take things a day at a time. So with that said, being part of the LGBT community, has it ever affected your career or sort of your personal way in either a uh, personal life in either a positive or negative way? I've honestly been very, and I have to remember this, like, it's one of those, you know, you take it for granted. I've been very lucky in my life, even, you know, even back to high school. I (laughs) I remember coming out, I think I came out like maybe junior year, sophomore year, I forget. (laughs) I remember like in my head, I was 
I think expecting more drama and I kind of prepared for it even to like coming out to my mother. I started with that. And then I came out, I think I came out in graphic arts class in the dark room. Did you? Yes. Mr. Ventola. I'm just kidding. Yeah, yes, 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 yes. Well, I don't think he was in there, but <laughs> I had a moment where I was like, I just want to come out. And I, it started there. And I remember like in my head expecting drama and it just was like, yeah. And like people just had this most nonchalant reaction to it. And I think it, it, and no one, I mean, I had no bad backlash at all. It was all very positive. I even had a guy, I'm not going to say his name, but like someone who kind of was, I'd say a little bit of a bully once in a while, you know, would kind of say things because, you know, my voice was effeminate. And once I came out, he was, he kind of was like, like, good for you, man. Like, you know, I'm proud of you. And it kind of was like, wait, what just happened? Yeah, that's um, very interesting. So even from high school up and through my career, I've been very, very lucky that I haven't had anything that I've done. I mean, maybe there's things that happen behind the scenes, but there's things, you know, that I, I haven't really had that experience. I've always been around people that have been supportive and, you know, you know, I, I and it's not like, I, you know, I show up somewhere and I'm like, hi, I'm John. I'm nice to meet you. I'm gay. Like, I don't, you know, right, I don't right. start my intro that way. I've been lucky. I know that, you know, there's a lot of people that haven't been lucky. You know, I've luckily had a good family and, you know, so I, I have to kind of remember that, like, it's it's kind of one of those things you get you take for granted. You're like, I've had a really, you know, really decent life in this regard and haven't really had much much of a challenge really with, you know, that being a factor at all. But there's plenty of people that, that do face those challenges, I'm sure, that are out there. But, you know, it's it's you know, you choose to surround yourself with good people and sometimes you, you can't choose the people you're surrounded by necessarily, but I've actually been pretty lucky. So I have to knock on wood, which I'm literally I have wood on this desk right now. <laughs> Sound of knocking. <laughs> so your mother was receptive, like fine. Like she, she didn't react in a negative way at all. In fact, she was just like the, the folks in the dark room. She was very like, and I was like, I had such, I was so ready. I was like, there's going to be drama and crying. And, and she was just like, yeah. And <laughs> that's great though. And, that's great. And she's been, you know, her and my dad for that matter, have yeah. been, you know, fantastic throughout it's it's more you know i'm single so i'm more so i guess i i'm I'm single and i'm not necessarily like you know not a rush i'm not you know i'm not like oh my god i'm single i gotta find someone it's you know (laughs) it'll happen but my mom is one of those it's like so when are you gonna bring someone home when are you gonna bring you know so oh but that's cute it's cute i mean in my mind it's it could be a little annoying but it's like hey a lot of people don't even have that so i right cherish it. <laughs> right. No, I mean, I, I get it from both ways. I feel the same way. I'm like, you know, and it's funny, I'm in my thirties, right? And I'm like, yeah, I'm single, but I'm like, there's still so much I want to do or like, I don't know. Or I just feel like when it's meant to be, it's just going to happen like that. And I, it's in the universe's hands, in my opinion, but I get you. It could be annoying. Like, when are you going to have kids? When are you going to do this? When are you going to, you know, like, it's like, calm down, <laughs> let me live my <laughs> life. And you'll, maybe you'll have grandkids one day, or maybe, you know, you'll meet my future husband or wife or whatever it is, you know, like, but that's a great thing because it's funny, right? I didn't even know you came out in high school, which is funny because I had no idea that you See, did again, that. No one cared. I was like, there there should be like, like I was expecting, per, like, do you, have you watched, um, oh my God, I'm blanking on it. The Real O'Neills on ABC. No, but I need to. What is so this, I mean, it's kind of this, I mean, it's kind of this young kid in high school who's, you know, living in this kind of Catholic family and it's kind of his experience coming out. And there's, it, you know, there's part of it where, 
he he's ready to come out in school. And he's expecting like a ticker tape parade and all these things. And that doesn't obviously happen. People also kind of have a nonchalant reaction to it. So I guess in my mind, I was expecting like some big, huge explosion of, you know, yeah, who knows what. But it was like, oh, yeah. And and also, by the way, you know, while we're in the dark room, it's like you're overexposing your photo. So maybe you want to check on that. Like, oh, yep. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> You're funny. So I have a question for you about me because you don't know me as gay or lesbian, right? Right. So, and now, and now you're on my LGBT podcast. So how do you feel about that? Like, what was your reaction? Are you surprised or just kind of like whatever or? Generally with anyone, right? I kind of am whatever. It's not really like a, Ooh, like I'm surprised or it. Yeah, I didn't have like a thought one way or the other, I guess, or that I could recall. And I, I wasn't, I'm not really the type of person that like in general walks through life like, oh, they're gay or they're a lesbian. Like, right, I, I don't right. do that. Like, I just kind of, you know, I, I'm sometimes I'm surprised, you know, someone will say it and I'm like, wow, oh, wow. Oh, okay. I never expected that. But yeah, I don't, you know, I don't really walk through life that way. I just kind of, you know, it is whatever. But, but I think it's fantastic. And I think what you're doing with this podcast and, you know, and, and this, this resource for people is awesome. So kudos to you for yes. taking, <laughs> for taking it on because I don't have time to, to make a podcast. So. Right. Right. <laughs> no, thank you. I appreciate that. No, the reason I asked, because it's funny, people will be like, I knew it. Or they'll be like, uh, or they look at you like an extreme disgust or at least from, or like, Oh wait, really? Uh, uh, you're going through a fit. And I'm like, what is happening? Like I had so many different reactions kind of that I was like, I can't deal with this. And like, you don't know this probably, but I've probably only been out like officially the past two years. Oh, interesting. Okay. So for me, yeah. So for me, like having the podcast, God, if I look back never in a million years, would I tell you I'd be sitting here having a conversation with you about LGBT things and sort of life and whatever. No way. Because I was so confused. Like I never knew, like there was never like this moment that I was like, yeah, I definitely know. I had no idea. Like I was confused. I was figuring it out. And then I came out as bi, which sort of like backfired in some ways, but I I truly was right. You know, and then it goes to this whole notion of all these labels and whatnot. But honestly, I just think we're human, right? And we're just trying to figure things out. And if you're attracted to someone and you love someone, that's all it is. Right. And and it's as simple as that. But with that said, where do you see the LGBT community in the future? I think more visibility, definitely. I mean, you're going to have people. I mean, I think we're in a world now where there's different ways that people are talking about different ways they identify. There's different, you know, some people don't label themselves in any, you know, different genders There's different sexual orientations. So there's there's all these different ways people kind of walk through life, I guess. And I definitely do wish that we had a world. I mean, I'm always think it's cool if we had a world where it wasn't like all about labels, but you know, it helps us to kind of understand one another when there are those there. So I think, you know, people are, will get more comfortable, you know, coming out and, and being true who they are, or just not putting a label on anything. You know, it's, it's been cool in the past year to see, you know, this explosion, if you will, of, you know, trans visibility and seeing all sorts of people come out. It's, you know, having like Laverne Cox being on like a prime time special. I mean, things like that, right. are, you know, stuff that's really cool. Like it's just, that's cool stuff. And I think more people getting the chance to just be who they are and, and not be afraid of, you know, any retaliation has been, you know, really awesome to see. So yeah, I just, you know, I just think it'll keep, you know, 
keep on going. And I think I don't have any kids or, you know, that, anything like that, obviously, but I'll see a story here and there, you know, about, you know, schools having, you know, schools like elementary schools and, and stuff, you know, having gender neutral bathrooms and having, you know, LGBT or, or you know, Q straight alliance kind of clubs. And, you know, that's, that's cool. That's cool. Like, you know, and I, again, I always felt like very safe in high school, but then again, Edison, New Jersey was like a melting pot of everything. Right. Sun. I mean, you had, you named the ethnicity, you named the <laughs> sexual orientation. It was there somewhere yeah. in that school, somewhere. <laughs> right. You just had to, might've had to find it, you know, but it's like, it is there somewhere. <laughs> yeah. It's funny that you mentioned that because some, I meet people all the time, right. From all over the place. And, you know, some people that grew up in say Virginia or like, um, I think someone else I know, I don't even remember where, but like, they were like, yeah, I only had like 50 people in my graduating class. And like, most of them were white. And I'm like, what? Or like the first time they ever saw like non-white people was when they moved to New York. And I was like, what? You know, for me, like coming from where we come from and there's such like a, a melting pot, let alone in sort of, you know, like there was such a range in everything, I would say, even from economic status, right? Like it, what, it, it was completely versatile so you could like learn about people's different sort of ways of living or just like who they are and all these other people like their first time doing that was in like their mid-20s so it's really interesting right like that is it makes you think it makes you like and yeah i forgot about like we had people that were like of all sorts of i remember like the parking lot high school it's like you have (laughs) my like you know 1991 honda accord and other people have their older cars and then Someone shows up in a BMW and you're like, oh, right. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> right. Like, you know, you're like, oh, but, but hey, we all, you know, for the most part, people are nice to one another. So it's definitely yeah. a, a pretty, pretty cool experience. But I will say, honestly, is like a lot of how I, why I think our high school, why my experience at least is great. I, you know, I, I feel like I'm talking too much about my experience and I'd be curious to hear your experience, but it started with like our principal who passed away a few years ago. Yeah. yeah. Cangelosi. That's yep. the guy. Well, you were also very involved in a lot of things in high school, like student council, right. And things like that. I right? was for a while. Yeah. yeah. Like I eventually kind of got bored with student council. Yeah. I think so. I, then I, I think like up until like junior year I was doing stuff, but then I kind of just stopped doing all the extracurriculars and focused on, you know, studying. And I think, I think by then I like got a job. I was working at the gap. So <laughs> it was like, yeah, I, wanted, I, I think I the mindset of like, I'd want to make money actually. So yep. go full jeans instead of bicker about yeah. dance, <laughs> dance colors for the, you know, for the dance, whatever. Oh, Table. memories. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, my overall, my high school experience is pretty positive. I don't know. It's funny. I mean, I, I don't, I stay in touch with a few people from high school, but that's about it. But then, you know, you'll bump into the occasional people in the city. So it's, it's always nice if that makes sense. Yeah. So if our listeners want to reach you, where is a place that they can reach you? What's best? So I am on literally Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all under John. So I guess I'll have to spell it. John Colucci, J-O-H-N-C-O-L-U-C-C-I. So at John Colucci on Twitter, same on Facebook, same on Instagram. Snapchat is John T. Colucci, but I don't snap that often. I just more so read the Snapchats versus actually doing the snapping. So I am there. I'm, I'm tweeting all day long. 
some, you know, except sometimes I don't tweet if I'm, I'm, I'm probably just reading the tweets if I'm busy or something. <laughs> right, right. Awesome. I'll also link it in the notes when we release. So perfect. Thanks so much for coming on. It was great. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Take care. Okay. Awesome. Listeners, thank you again so much for tuning in. You can find us as always on nakedandinsideout.com. You can also find us on iTunes, Acast, Stitcher, Pocket Cast, and Google Music. Give us a call also if you have any feedback or want to discuss anything more that we're having on the episodes. 917-818-0097. And you can always find us on social media as well, which is linked from our site. And as always, thank you for listening. And until next time, thank you so much.